Welcome to the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast, show number 231, where we interview Tien and Brandon Rooney and talk about van life and rental properties. So they put all their money into real estate and they just kind of um, learned along the way. And so they ended up working for five extra years, but still retiring at 45. And they told us that story and we were like, we can do that. Hello, hello, hello. My name is Mindy Jensen. And with me, as always, is my always quick with the joke co-host, Scott Trench. Thanks, Mindy. We'll, we'll uh, showcase that later with some Gouda cheese, cheese jokes at the end. <laughs> that was terrible. Oh, come on. All right. That was horrible. Scott and I are here to make financial independence less scary, less for just for somebody else, to make really bad jokes. And to introduce you to every money story, because we truly do believe that financial freedom is attainable for everyone, no matter when or where you're starting. That's right. Whether you want to retire early and travel the world in a van, go on to make big time investments in assets like real estate or start your own business, we'll help you reach your financial goals and get money out of the way so you can launch yourself towards those dreams. Scott, I really, really am excited about this episode today. Tien and Brandon are a young couple from Southern California who have traveled the world, traveled the U.S. in their van, and now have a property in uh, a, a series of rental properties, including one that they use as Airbnb from their home base of Southern California. Yeah, I, I think what, what I observed about this couple, uh, by the way, uh, shout out to my mom, Mrs. Trench, uh, for uh, uh, that's Mrs. Trench to all of you uh, uh, for for introducing us to uh, Tien and Brandon today. Um, so thank you, mom. We we appreciate more references there. Um, but anyways, uh, what I think I observed about this couple is uh, uh, <laughs> that that they they they're flexible, right? And, and because they're flexible and creative and willing to experiment, they they've never put themselves in a position where. I think the demands of their job or their lifestyle require them to lock down for a long period of time. And they've exploited that advantage, I think, multiple times over the years uh, with this, you know, whether that's spending six weeks in Indiana to, to do a flip or whether it's house hacking, whether it's living in a van, whether it's living with family in the basement, you know, or whatever it is, they're willing to do it. And that I think has create, uh, created optionality for them, not only wealth, but optionality to try a bunch of different things, become wealthy in interesting and creative ways. And I think experience probably a lifestyle that I, I would be em envious of in some ways and not so envious of in other ways. Uh, <laughs> I guess you'll see it. I, 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 think you'll, I think you'll see that it's, it's interesting and unique. And I think there's a lot of power behind the flexible and creative way that they've designed their lives and the the opportunities that's afforded them. Yeah. What's that phrase? Live like nobody else now so that you can live like nobody else later. They kind of mm -hmm. embody that. That's so just their creativity, mm -hmm. their flexibility, their just willingness to do whatever it takes, whatever they're comfortable with to to further themselves down the path to financial independence. And I just think that there's 
a lot of lessons to be learned here for everybody listening. I think that's right. And, and I also highlight one other point. When, when they were in debt, there was no comfort. There was none of, like there was some comfort because they were living in, in, in Southern California, but they, they were willing to humble themselves and live with family and do what it took to pay off that debt before doing all this other creative stuff that they, that, you know, I think really drove their wealth from zero to hundreds of thousands of dollars and, and close to financial freedom at this point. So I, I think that that's right. I think there's a, there's a, a, a tremendous amount of discipline and hustle living like no one else in order to get into that strong financial position where all the other opportunities we described, we discussed in the show, um, trickle down from. Becoming a Navy Federal Credit Union member could help you earn more and save more. Take advantage of competitive rates with their certificate options or start saving for that next big money milestone with a low minimum deposit. Add money at any time and watch your savings grow. Thanks to flexible terms, you can use Navy Federal's savings options for all kinds of goals, short or long term. Considering a big home improvement project, maybe a live-in flip, or feeling ready to consolidate some of that high-interest credit card debt, you could borrow up to 100% of your home's equity with a fixed-rate home equity loan with zero closing costs, or easily borrow as you go with a home equity line of credit. Both options could help make life's big expenses much more manageable. To learn more, visit NavyFederal.org. At Navy Federal, members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, equal housing lender. Membership required. Terms and conditions apply. Loans subject to approval. TurboTax experts make all your moves count. Filing with 100% accuracy and getting your max refund guaranteed. So whether you started a podcast, side hustled your way to some extra income, flipped a house, or finally bought your first rental property, your moves made a big difference in your life last year. Now it's time to make the most of your moves. Switch to TurboTax and make your moves count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. The dream of owning a vacation home can be daunting. From finding the best guests, to the maintenance, to organizing the cleaners after every guest day. With Vacasa, they make that dream into a reality. As a full-service vacation home management company with vacation homes in key destinations across the U.S., they know a thing about how to make owning a vacation home easy and profitable. On top of proactive property maintenance visits by professional local teams, a hospitality-driven booking platform, and around-the-clock support, Vacasa earns homeowners an average of 20% more revenue from their vacation homes. Vacasa is always thinking of ways to simplify the vacation homeowning experience by putting your home to work for you. If you're looking to make more from your vacation home, work with the reliable property manager, and finally have peace of mind, partner with Vacasa at vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. That's vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. Tien and Brandon Rooney, welcome to the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast. I'm so excited to talk to you guys today. Yeah, thank, thank you. you for having us. So let's jump right into it. Where does your journey with money begin? So our uh, our journey with money, um, basically after we got out of college, I was lucky enough to not have any financial student debt, um, but Brandon had financial debt and we um, just kind of started our W-2 jobs working, you know, regular 40-hour week type jobs. And then um, we kind of got the bug to travel a little bit. So... Through roundabout ways, we ended up uh, moving abroad, traveling, and for nine months. And then when we came back, we realized, oh, we have all this debt we still need to pay off, and we don't have jobs, and we really need to get our finances in order. So uh, we went really hard on the debt payoff. Um, so we 
we went, we rented a room instead of getting our own place. Um, we started looking for jobs and then basically we just went really hard into budgeting and being super frugal. And then every month, um, we would take like to the very penny, how much money we had left over in our budget. And then we started by building up our three month emergency fund. And then after that, we just took off, um, the end of every month, every penny that we had left over, we just put on the student loans and then, uh, we were able to get those paid off really quickly. So we did, um, all his student loans, about 50,000, uh, it was student and car loan in, uh, about eight months. What, what, it sounds like your journey really begins, um, after you get back from the nine months of travel, that's when your, your financial journey kind of really hits, hits the, um, turbocharger, I guess here, what, what were both of your jobs? What was your income? What was the total debt? What was the, the snapshot of the picture at that moment in time? So at that time we, we came back from, we were in South, Southeast Asia, teaching English, making basically enough to travel. And so when we came back, we didn't have jobs. We actually started working part-time for a startup, um, which was awesome because it actually got us moving forward in our entrepreneurial spirit. Um, but it paid very little, uh, out front. Uh, I want to say I was working like 20 hours out, out of that job. Tien started like a month later and she was at that time, they bumped us both up to about 40, 40 hours a week. And we were making prior to any bonuses, we were making about 50 each. 50,000 each. And okay. Then, uh, and where are you living during this period? Uh, so <laughs> that was, that was kind of where we really made our moves. Um, I was living with my sister. So when we came back, she, she loves hosting people and luckily she was down to host us. And so basically we made an agreement. We would pay for, uh, they, the, all their HOAs, they live in San Clemente. And so that pretty high HOA. So we paid for their HOAs, which was, um, $400 a month. And and then we just kind of cooked for them every once in a while, watched her daughter and kind of did repay in that method as well. Um, so we cut down our costs massively because in Seattle we were renting a place, which was a good deal at the time for like $1,600. But um, going from 1600 down to 400 You paid off $50,000 in eight months making $100,000 a year and living in a very high cost of living area. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Oh, no, not quite. Well, we were in a very high um, area, but we moved from Seattle after traveling to San Clemente and lived with my sister. And we just paid her HOA fees and like took care of her daughter and stuff like that. <laughs> right. But, but everything else you say is live. right. Yeah. yeah everything yeah. else you said, Mindy, was right. Yeah. We were still able to pay him off in um, eight months. Yeah. That's awesome. how old was this right after college you guys were just graduated and that's kind of the age range you guys are in at this point? So we had worked for two years and then traveled for nine months. So we were about 25 at the time. Okay. Awesome. And, and, um, um, what was the, what was the total debt? Was it 50 K? Did you get back to zero during this period? Yeah. So I had, when I graduated about 30,000 in debt from Iowa state and, and then I had, I bought a car once I got out to Seattle for my first job because I had like a 1986 Bronco 2 that didn't make it from Iowa to <laughs> Seattle. And so I ended up buying a new car, which obviously those come with a high price tag. And so I think at that time it was about 
my loan was 20,000. So it came out to basically 50,000, almost on the dot in total debt. And it was all mine. Don't let 10, 10, she was always good. <laughs> well, well, I, I think it's awesome. I mean, you had an opportunity here. San Clemente is, is like, I think one of the most beautiful places to live in the entire world. Um, it's right between LA and San Diego, right? I went yeah. there for a wedding yeah. a few years back and fell in love one day. I'll spend a year in San Clemente. Um, <laughs> Go that. stay but with Brandon's all- sister. She yeah, loves hosting yeah. people. She does. Yeah, she does. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Just let us know. <laughs> um, but but that's awesome. So so you're living there. You're working these startup jobs. You're acquiring some skills. You're using all of your advantages to I think great effect here. And you pay off all your debt in eight nine months. What happens after that? So at that point, we um, so we his sister really got us into Dave Ramsey, um, which it has pros and cons. Um, but we were like really excited about paying off the debt. But then after that, Dave Ramsey doesn't have anything left. So we were just kind of lost financially. We weren't really sure what to do. Um, so we decided to try kind of a few side hustles. So I decided to get my tax license. So I started doing personal income taxes. And then uh, Brandon actually was pursuing firefighting at the time, which is really competitive here in Southern California. So it can take years to get on. Um, so he was taking an academy at the time, and then I was working the second job as a tax preparer, which uh, didn't necessarily pay as much as I was expecting, but we learned so much knowledge and information that we've been able to use in our business that it's really just been invaluable in that respect. Um, and then we tried a few other things, uh, like I tried to do, I opened an Etsy shop and do some more like passive income for uh, photography sales. And that just also wasn't as lucrative as we thought. So we kind of just tried a few different things to make some passive income and then eventually landed in real estate. What, what year did you pay off the debt? What, 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 uh, what, when is that? We paid it off in, we came back 2015, February, 2015. That was the end of your, your was, debt paid yeah, off. So we started okay. basically in the summer of 2014 and then paid it off in, February of 2015. Okay, awesome. And so the the in 2015, you're debt free and you're trying to you're, now you're like figuring stuff out. We have the firefighting, we have the tax preparer. It sounds like you're trying a number of different things. How long does that go on for? And how does your financial position evolve as you're trying and experimenting these things? So probably after so at that time, we were still actually working for the startup, which was um, a very small company. I mean, uh, as far as the office goes, there was about five of us, and then we had a call center and stuff. And so we got pretty heavy into that, and so we were making more money through that. I think we were up to like seventy thousand each. Um, and then as uh, the the time went on, we basically were able to get into the real estate in two thousand seventeen. And I'll let Tian take that because that was kind of driven by her family. Well, well, going into, okay, great. So 2017 sounds like another inflection point here. What is your financial, as two years go by, are you investing? Do you build up a cash cushion? How does that, what does that look like um, during that period? So at that time we were just putting money in our Roth IRAs every year. And then we were essentially just stockpiling cash. Like we were looking, um, I reached out to a couple of different like financial gurus and we had talked to a bunch of other people that we knew who were kind of in the finance world. And everyone was just like, oh, we don't know what's happening with the housing market or with the economy. So, you know, like maybe cash is just the right way to do it right now. Uh, we did put a little bit of money in the stock market and we're actively trading. 
um, which we have continued to do for a few years and has been like somewhat lucrative, um, but it's a lot more stress. So we've leaned over the years more towards ETFs. But in the meantime, that was basically we were just stockpiling as much cash as we could. And how much cash are you entering 2017 in your real estate um, investing um, strategy with? So in, let me pull up. I have all our numbers here. So we oh, do you have a spreadsheet? Yeah. Oh, we have so many spreadsheets. So many spreadsheets. <laughs> yeah. I just, while you're pulling that up, Brandon, I want to point out that this was what, 2015, 2016? And you were saying, oh, we're uncertain where the market's yeah. going to go. Mm -hmm. And here yeah. we are. And I'm not, I'm not like poking fun at you. I'm, no, no. I'm pointing out that we're uncertain where the market's going to go has been the mantra since what, 2014, Scott? When the, the market started picking up in a lot of places, ooh, it's starting to get hot. 2015, 2016, 2017, yeah. 2018. Oh, should I wait really? for a, a crash? 2019, 2020. Here, 2020 has a worldwide pandemic and the real estate market didn't crash. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's pretty crazy. Well, I think it's uh, been uncertain since 1850. When did mortgages well, start? Well, well, while you're pulling that up also, does when is the uh, the hook of financial independence sinking in? Is that from Dave Ramsey, like immediately back in 2014, 2015? Or are you kind of like discovering that in this period as well? So actually, that came from um, that actually came from traveling. So when we were living in Seattle before that, we were working a ton. So I was working like 65, 70 hours a week. And then um, Brandon was working at a job that had a little bit more flexibility, but he was still working really hard for what he was getting paid. And so we were just like, maybe the corporate world is not as fun as we expected it to be. Um, so that's when we just both left our jobs, decided to travel. And then we traveled for nine months and got hooked. And we were like, we love this. Like we love this freedom. Um, we're not working that many hours. We were able to travel and climb and like do all the things that we love. And so we were like, we need to figure out a way to be able to do this more often. Love it. And so, so that, that became the goal instantaneously is to figure out how to sustain that indefinitely yeah in that travel yeah. i like to play a lot so as long as <laughs> as long as we can get more time playing that's a great great thing for me and i think it was also 2016 that we also met another couple and they had through just uh, frugality and investments decided that they were going to retire at 40 and then uh, they're older than us so then when they're retirement date came around, it was like right around 2005, 2006. So right at the right time of the housing market, they had never invested in real estate, but they obviously had a ton of cash because they were trying to retire early. So they put all their money into real estate and they just kind of um, learned along the way. And so they ended up working for five extra years, but still retiring at 45. And they told us that story and we were like, we can do that. And we can start earlier than 40. And so then we can be reach financial independence earlier than 40. All right. So let's talk, let's go through your, your actions that you took in 2017 and your position that you yeah, so, um, were in at that point. So in 2000, basically at the end of 2016, we, we had about $90,000 in cash. Uh, so basically in a, just like a year and a half or a little over a year and a half, we had built up 90,000 in cash. Um, and so in 2017, we were back in Indiana where Tian's family lives, we were visiting and we were, they've done flips for like one or two a year. Um, just basically went to the sheriff's cell, found a house. 
would flip it really quickly and they're successful with it. Uh, however, the share of sale was kind of at that point, kind of not really a, a source of deals anymore. Uh, even though we still went to one, we tried to bid on a couple nothing panned out, but then we went on a drive with their real estate agent. And that same day we ended up putting an offer on a house to fix and flip uh, in Indianapolis. And then because the purchase price was, the purchase price was going to be $90,000. We basically, that was all our cash. We, we approached Tian's grandparents and asked them to be partners because they'd been doing the flips for years and we wanted to learn from them. So we ended up doing a 50, 50 deal with them on cash and labor. Um, and so we, we bought the house basically same day that we showed up in Indiana. And then, uh, I think we closed, um, a month later. And then at that point we went into the full fix and flip, uh, and we were working full time as well. So you relocated to Indiana for this for, for real estate investing. At this point, we relocated during the flip, <laughs> and then came back. Yeah, yeah, we still had our apartment here, um, yeah. but we just went and stayed there, and we did a uh, work all day for six weeks to get it ready to go. Yeah, and and you're still living with your family in San Clemente during this period. At that point, we so our jobs were in San Diego, so we had moved down to San Diego and were renting an apartment at that point. Okay, great. All right, so so you relocate to Indiana. <clears throat> what does that look like? Do you live in the flip? Do you live okay. with family? Do you li do you rent a place? How, what's that look like while you're doing this project? Yeah, so we just actually lived with my family. Yeah, felt like we so... lived in the flip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we would just wake up really early and we'd work for our W two jobs for about four hours, and then we'd go and work on the flip for about eight hours, and then come back and work for our W two jobs again for another four hours at night. And then like it, it was still the startup, so it was relatively flexible and we were still able to get all our work done and do everything we needed to do for that. So how, how long did this 16-hour day situation continue for? Six weeks. Six weeks. And and what, how much? Four weeks for 16 hours. Then at the end, it was like a little bit more like just tic-tac-y. Okay, great. So, so, so we're there for a month and a half. How to, walk us through the numbers. How does that, how does this propel your situation forward? Yeah. So as far as uh, that first flip that we did, we, uh, we were in initially for the purchase of 90,000 and then it needed everything. We, we, before we even got out there, we actually, we had them pave the driveway. We had them tear out some stuff. We had, they have connections with different people to come clean out stuff. And so before we even got out there, they started, and then once we got out there, we we repainted the whole thing, did all new flooring, put in a deck, new window, uh, bathroom, kitchen, the whole thing. And we were 30000 in upgrades. So basically 120 into the deal. Um, and then at that point, <laughs> our, I think our realtor was like, oh, I think you guys could get 150 for it. We're like, well, that was a lot of work for <laughs> 15000 a person. So we ended up being like, well, we did we did a little comp um, work and we found that we could probably get like 190, 180. And so we ended up convincing our realtor to go up to 180. And, um, and then at the end of it, we ended up finding a couple of people that were interested and we got a buyer to offer at the asking. And, uh, and then at that point we were we still had all the appraisal and stuff like that. And the one thing we didn't do on the flip was the roof. And then they wanted the roof done. <laughs> so uh, actually mm. that was included in the $30,000 upgrade. So 
at the end of the day, we came across, came out with 50,000 before you take out all the, all the fees and everything. And that was split two ways. Okay. And, and so what, what, uh, what happens next now you've completed this flip. You have, you have, uh, you, you've made some, some money. You've proven the concept at the very least. What do you do next? So after that flip, even though it was lucrative, we pretty much decided that we didn't want to do that again <laughs> um, because of the super long hours. And then also like we, we paid to be in Southern California. And so it was kind of silly to be paying rent for six weeks, not living here. Um, so we decided that rentals is how we wanted to go. Um, so we basically just got on the rental train and then like we were saying, Mendy, we didn't know what was going to happen with the housing market. So we just kind of like sat back and waited for a little bit, got a little bit more into stocks and then we actually took a break. So, um, Brandon, correct me if I'm wrong, but was that a three year break before we bought our next deal? Two Two years. Yeah. Yeah. So we just kind of saved up a lot and, um, didn't act as quickly as we should have. And I, and I was getting hired by, um, fire department. So kind of took me out of commission for a good basically year. Okay. So, so in, in 2017, what, what, how do we kind of like peg your net worth? Is it like probably in the hundred and 150 range in, two, in that ballpark? In 2015, let me get... 2017, Sorry, 2017. Yeah. So in 2017, our net worth, we were sitting around 220. Okay, and that's that's some stocks, the ninety thousand dollars in cash, the flip, you know, all, all the puts and takes there, kind of coming out of that, you're at two twenty. Yep. Um, and then what happens when you after your break? So two years go by. I assume you're still saving and investing to some degree uh, passively. Where are you after that? After that break? Three hundred, about three hundred thousand. Yeah. Okay, and th- now now you're saying. Life, life circumstances are right again for real estate investing. What, what, what do you do? What, what, are the, what are the investments you make there? Yeah, so our realtor brought us another um, off-market deal. So it was a, basically there was one person who was in a lot of tax issues. And so he was trying to sell off all his properties. So he had um, 30 something units to sell off, I think that he was looking for. So and this is to, in Indiana? This is in Indiana, yes. And so we um, went in with a couple different people. So we had a few family members that were looking to do some flips. Um, and our realtor actually brought in some other people that we never even knew or met. And so as a group, we collectively agreed to buy, I think, like 24 of the units for a uh, we individually priced them. But when we made the offer, the offer was as a bulk deal. Um so we were purchasing four of those it ended up because of the IRS situation. It took about six months to close and they're only closing one deal at a time or one unit at a time. So, um, we, I mean, we didn't have, I don't want to say we didn't have anything else going on, but we didn't have any other deals in the pipeline. So we were fine to wait and everyone else backed out. So they ended up honoring our deal still, um, which has been great, but we had, we acquired four units. So two duplexes, um, out of that deal. Okay. And how, what, what, what did that look like and how did that kind of accelerate your financial position there? Yeah. So that one, we, we basically did conventional financing, um, 25% down on $190,000. So that was per duplex. So total in, we were at the 380,000. Um, and then, and then we had, so couple of them were rented, one was vacant, and then one had a tenant that was about to move out. 
So we basically were setting aside money so that when people moved out, we could update them all. Um, so we started the updating process on the one that was vacant and then was getting those rented and those will rent um, for at the time when we first got it, we were looking at about nine fifty a thousand dollars for rent, uh, and then now it's closer to the twelve hundred. Um, and those basically, yeah. How long does it take between um, offer close and stabilizing the units with the, the new higher rents? It was what about five months from offer to close because of the whole tax lien, and then and then as far as the flip it, we were had two basic pretty solid tenants for a year that we didn't have to do anything for stabilizing. And then the one unit we basically did in about a month, Tian went back out and flipped that. And then as the other unit became vacant, that one was less work and only took about two weeks. And we had renters in it within probably two weeks for both of those being finished. Six That's weeks. awesome. So, so, so six weeks probably to stabilize. Okay, great. And so where, where are we now and, and what's what, what comes after this? So after this, this? 2019. 2019. So, um, yep, this is 2019. Um, in the meantime, we have been building out a van. And so uh, we needed a second car because when we lived in San Diego, we worked together. We worked about a block away from our house. So we ended up um, going down to one car because we didn't need the second one. And then when he got on the fire department, we obviously needed a second car. He's gone um, for 24 hours sometimes. And we had thought about getting a van in, um, just in the past. And so we were like, let's just get that as our second car. So we got a van, it's basically like the Amazon delivery vans. And then we spent about a year building it out ourselves. So um, into basically a camper. So by the end of our um, lease at this point, we had moved up to Orange County again for a year. We were renting an apartment and then just to be a little bit closer to his work. And then we decided um, that we should try to live in it. <laughs> and so uh, we were going on a road trip anyway. So we were like, let's, our lease is ending. We're going on a two month road trip. Um, let's go ahead and just not rent. And then we'll just live in it as long as we can. And so we ended up um, living in that for a year and a half. And then in the meantime, while we're living in it, we also bought another rental. Okay, I want to talk about this van for a while because <laughs> I have seen these vans and they look super cool. But where do you shower? Where do you do all of your bathroom business? <laughs> so yeah, so when... Because they don't have a bathroom. So we do actually have a, we have a composting toilet in our, in our van which uh, sounds pretty gross, but surprisingly <laughs> is not. <laughs> um, so basically it's a, it's a toilet that will compost the solid waste and then the liquid waste separates. Uh, you separate it and you so you dispose to of them total. <laughs> but, uh, so, so you lived, but, but you, when, when did you move into the van? So we moved into the van in 2000. August 31st, 2019. 2019, yeah. So basically at the same time as buying. And are you still ma maintaining your jobs during that period living in the van? We are, yes. So we actually still have the second car. And so um, we would park his car because he would need to take it to work. So we would just park it around the area. And then we would pretty much just be in the van and, unless he was working. And then I work from home already. And so I would just work from home in the in the van. 
Why, why, um, why, why make the move? What was the rationale behind it? So we are, um, we like to camp and rock climb. And so I think the van trend has been growing in the last few years. And so we're like, oh, it'd be really fun to just have a van. So if we want to go on trips and we want to go, we, we don't have to like pack up anything. It's just always ready to go. Um, so we wanted to build one anyways. And then once we built it, like it has a bed and a fridge and a pantry and a closet and um, it holds like our surfboards and all our climbing gear. Like it holds everything we need. We put solar on it. So we have that. Um, so it was pretty self-sustaining anyways. And so we figured if we were, um, going to do a two month road trip and not have an apartment anyways, we could just kind of extend it as long as we could. Yeah. So the goal and Mindy to answer your earlier question, um, we have gym memberships. And so, uh, we worked out quite a bit because whenever we need to shower, we felt guilty just like going in there to shower. So we'd go in and work out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What, what was, was like. Well, was there a, a, a bent on the financial independence thing? Was that was that a, a part of the rationale or was it really kind of just more that's the lifestyle that you were, were looking for? It was it was, a, I would say, like twofold a little bit. We basically we were building it and then the timing just worked out perfect. That was like, well, let's not up like there's no reason to pay rent. So like from a financial perspective, we we're like, we're going to be gone for two months. We might as well not pay rent. That makes no sense. Um, so then we were like, well. I guess we might as well not pay rent for like six months and just try it out. And then, so we basically like, we just set a date and we're like, Oh, we'll go and see how it goes. And then it ended up being that we just like, all right, we'll just stay in it until we buy a house. We're not paying rent anymore. <laughs> so that was kind of how that came about. And we knew if we stayed in it for six months, it would pay for the renovations in the van. So it's kind of like, if we can last six months, then the renovations will have essentially been free. And then, um, we were able to, just with all of our calculations, we saved about $30,000 in like rent, utilities, internet, all that stuff over the year and a half. So that also set us forward you, quite a bit. Do you have pictures of the van that we could share in the show notes? I do. Yeah. Yes. I can send you some pictures. I think that'd be great. Yeah. We'd love to see the inside out, the whole, the whole deal <laughs> with this, this thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Go ahead, Mindy. I can hear people saying, oh, I could never live in a van. And I would also say that. So what was the hardest part about living in the van? Because it, clearly the easiest part of living in a van is not paying rent. That sounds super awesome. But like, where are you parking it? Um, does it come with electric hookups or, you know, do you need a, a solar thing? I have a friend who has a sprinter van with like the whole top is covered with like solar, solar, mm-hmm. I don't know, mats or something. I'll yeah, so we have... One. <laughs> okay, so we did have solar as well. So we never had to hook up or anything. We're pretty much self-sustaining. Um, so we had all our own water. We have a kitchen sink. Like, we have everything in it. So as far as um, where we park, so it's we're, we're really lucky to be in, like, a great weather area. So we didn't have a heater or an AC in it. Um, so we just, like, would open the windows. We had a fan that would circulate some air. Um, but we all day um, – in, in California, you can buy a beach pass. And so – I would park at the beach every day and it opens from six to 10. So I would essentially live at the beach from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. every day. I'd work from there. Um, Brent, we both surf and we, we would just basically hang out there. And then at night, um, we, you can just park like in the neighborhoods, <laughs> essentially. Uh, or there's like areas close to the beach that you can just park. And we would just come in late and have already like gotten ready for bed, brush our teeth, everything. Um, park there for the night and then leave again at like 6 a.m. the next morning. Yeah, we always try to be like respectful of the neighborhoods we're in so we wouldn't ever like park in front of somebody's house. It'd always be like 
across the street from a parking lot or something um, in neighborhoods. And then, but yeah, I mean, as far as just kind of the difficulty of it, there is say if it did rain in California, which is rare, you're stuck in this like 200 square foot space with another person <laughs> trying to do stuff when the doors are open, it's great. Um, and then you're basically, every time you're in like going to bed, you have to be super quiet. We're just like, oh, always worried about somebody like calling the cops on us, which that never happened. Um, I think there was only one time the cops knocked on our door and we were luckily already awake and already ready to leave. And we were not in California even. So that you were respectful of the neighborhoods you were in. You didn't park in front of somebody's house. Um, they're, let's see, how do I say this? Van life can be, uh, looked down upon by municipalities. Oh yeah. But I mean, if you're out in somebody's parking lot, yeah, yeah. And, and if you're not putting all your garbage around, like there's some, there's some RVs in my town where they park and literally everything comes out and it's just all over the ground. That oh, yeah. doesn't look nice. Yeah, yeah. We basically tried to make it look like we were up, um, not there. Like, I don't know, like a commercial van or that no one was in it. Like we try to be as quiet as possible and we never really went in, um, we would basically would just park somewhere to go to sleep and then wake up and drive yeah. away. TN's but... plumbing on the side <laughs> yeah. of the van. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, before we move on, let's take one last break to hear a word from today's show sponsors. Becoming a Navy Federal Credit Union member could help you earn more and save more. Take advantage of competitive rates with their certificate options or start saving for that next big money milestone with a low minimum deposit. Add money at any time and watch your savings grow. Thanks to flexible terms, you can use Navy Federal's savings options for all kinds of goals, short or long term. Considering a big home improvement project, maybe a live-in flip, or feeling ready to consolidate some of that high-interest credit card debt, you could borrow up to 100% of your home's equity with a fixed-rate home equity loan with zero closing costs, or easily borrow as you go with a home equity line of credit. Both options could help make life's big expenses much more manageable. To learn more, visit NavyFederal.org. At Navy Federal, members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, equal housing lender. Membership required. Terms and conditions apply. Loans subject to approval. You're busy building your retirement accounts and emergency reserve, but what about life insurance? Getting life insurance today means you'll have peace of mind so that if something were to happen to you, your family can cover expenses while getting back on their feet. The best time to get a policy? Now since life insurance rates typically increase as you get older. But don't worry, with Policy Genius, you can compare life insurance quotes from America's top insurers in just a few clicks. Already have a policy through work? It may not offer enough protection. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Their award-winning agents work for you to find the policy that best fits your needs. Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. The dream of owning a vacation home can be daunting. From finding the best guests, to the maintenance, to organizing the cleaners after every guest stay. With Vacasa, they make that dream into a reality. As a full-service vacation home management company with vacation homes in key destinations across the U.S., they know a thing or two about how to make owning a vacation home easy and profitable. 
On top of proactive property maintenance visits by professional local teams, a hospitality-driven booking platform, and around-the-clock support, Vacasa earns homeowners an average of 20% more revenue from their vacation homes. Vacasa is always thinking of ways to simplify the vacation homeowning experience by putting your home to work for you. If you're looking to make more from your vacation home, work with a reliable property manager, and finally have peace of mind, partner with Vacasa at vacasa.com backslash biggerpockets. That's vacasa.com backslash biggerpockets. So let's talk about all your stuff. What did you do with all your stuff while you moved out of your apartment and into a van? Yeah, so we kept everything in a storage unit, and then we kept it pretty organized, and we had a couple of dressers in there. So that way, like when it, not that the weather changes all that much in Southern California, but you know, like when it got cooler, we could switch out some of our summer clothes for winter and stuff like that. Um, But we just kept a close by storage unit. And so if we ever needed anything, we could grab it pretty easily. And this got you, you said this got you $30,000 ahead of the game by living in a van for Mm -hmm. how long did you live in there? 18 months? A year and a half. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, you, you must have liked it to stay there for longer than the, lot, the first six months. Is that right? Yeah, we actually re- ended up really liking it. And it was for us, it was like a great way to travel. So we took a couple of like one to two month road trips. And then um, Brennan would just fly back and, and work for basically like a week straight and then fly back to me. Um, so we got to see a lot of stuff. We spent a ton of time at the beach and we played a bunch. Like we also obviously worked hard and and still kept our investing up, but we were able to play a lot. And we realize now, like we just bought a house, which I'm sure we'll get into, but it's like, I feel like in the last two months, we've seen like two sunsets where (laughs) in the van, like you see every beach sunset and you see all these Mm. cool places and stuff. So it's, it's a cool lifestyle, but um, a year and a half is a good amount. So what's your financial position after you kind of end the, the van stint here for 18 months and what year are we in with the end of the the, um living in the van so 2021 we actually just ended it um in february well i guess march of this year yeah where are you guys at the financial journey so at that point we actually had already we had acquired a a third duplex in indiana as well um and so we were sitting about our net worth in february was about 480 so we had we made a pretty good jump from our investments as well as money saving from over that year and a half. Um, and we were basically awesome. ready to buy a house because Tian was sick <laughs> working out of a tiny van. So what's that, what's that transition look like? What, what, where, where do you buy? Um, what, what, what happens in the last couple of months here? Yeah, so we started looking. Um, we were more looking in Orange County just because he works up in LA. And pricing, I'm not that San Diego is cheap by any means, but Orange County is pretty hefty price tags. Um, so we started looking. We were trying to decide do we want a townhome? Do we want our own house? Um, our dream was to have like a house with a mother in law so that we could house hack. And we ended up finding something. Well, we weren't even looking in San Diego. Um, we love San Diego. We lived here for about four years. And then, and so we have a community here and we eventually wanted to live here. Um, but we just came down and we're having dinner with friends and something popped up on Redfin like, oh, this uh, house just came for sale in your area. And it was like less than 10 minutes away. So I scheduled a time with our realtor, went and looked at it. And um, it was a house with a mother-in-law. And so we decided to make an offer on it. And um, 
obviously went through all the normal negotiations and stuff. Um, but we, they rent rented back for two weeks and then we moved into it in March and then basically started renovations on that. And, um, yeah, we can get into that, I guess, if we're ready. Yeah, that's awesome. Let's do it. Yeah. So, um, the back house is connected to a garage. So it's a garage and basically they walled off half the garage and, um, it, they used it as a man cave. So it had a bathroom in it and a lazy boy and a TV. And like that, that was it. That was back there. Um, but it's a pretty big space. And so we figured we could do more with it. So when we first moved in here, the, the day we moved in, we started ripping out the floors in the main house because they had um, old carpet in the bedrooms. So the first week we, we moved in, we basically moved our stuff into the garage and then we're like still sleeping in the van in the driveway. And then we um, renovated the floors in the bedrooms and then started furnishing it. And we decided that we were going to do a short-term rental Airbnb in it. So worked on furnishing it a bunch and then kind of started moving into the back house, but not doing any renovations. And then once the front house um, was ready to go, then we started renovating the back house. We um, painted, redid the floors, and then um, had some co contractor come out and help us like switch out because it already had water and electric back there. They just didn't have a kitchen. So we built a full kitchen in there. Um, and just got that all ready and livable. So we live in the back and, uh, Airbnb the front. And how does that look? How does that working out financially for you guys? Yeah. So with the, with the front house, we basically, the reason we went with short term rentals was just the travel bug right now is insane. Everything is crazy high prices. And so we decided we'd try to at least capitalize during the summer on, uh, san diego visitation because during the summer it's really busy but it actually slows down a lot the rest of the year so that was kind of our our thought for the summer and so yeah during the summer it was really good we basically we would get about 80 to 90 percent occupancy in the front house and we were making about eight thousand a month um and then we've already seen like a slowdown. August like was really busy the first couple of weeks. It's like already slowing down. So we're basically looking to pivot to more of a 30 day furnished finder um, traveling nurses. Uh, but now that the summer's coming in, in, but we want to capitalize just on that opportunity of the summer. And next year they're changing the laws with Airbnb in San Diego. So like, oh, we might as well take it while we can. And then if we can apply and get the, uh, permit for next year we'll probably try to do it again next summer and and is it legally two units or is it one house it, so th they basically they made it into an adu um but it's not like addressed as two units yeah i, I want to point out something here that is i think really smart about what you guys are doing is many jurisdictions probably where you live have rules around airbnb that say you, it can only rent out your primary residence and it, that at a per certain percentage of the time yeah and that and that's annoying to a lot of folks in your situation, but it's also an enormous competitive advantage because nobody else can do that either, right? Yeah. So the only way you can actually get a Airbnb listing in that is if you're kind of doing something like what you're doing, where it's one address and 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 you're in that situation. And so that's an incredibly powerful tool to get started with a lot of these. I met I met another um, 
a couple recently that's doing that in Denver, and they're very annoyed that they can't scale the thing. And I'm like, the whole reason that you're able to get these incredible rents, $8,000 a month and that, and that kind of stuff on, on I, I would assume it would rent for less than 3000 or around that um, uh, as a traditional rental or something, something in that ballpark, is because of these laws. Yeah. And so I think that's, that's really cool and smart of you guys. I want to throw out there another suggestion since you all – do you still have the van? Yes. <laughs> okay, so you you still have the van, and now you have a legal front house. You have a legal back house. Maybe you rent out the back house during the summer as well and just sleep in the van. Yeah, we have we, also talked about that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what percentage of your mortgage is being paid over the summer with the rentals in the front house? Oh. 100%. 100%. Well, but not for the whole year. Is that what you're asking? Well, no, uh, for the months that it's rented, it's a hundred percent. Is it a hundred plus percent? Because then, I mean, if you could get your entire mortgage, if you can get your entire mortgage paid by living in the van for the summer, that seems like a really sweet. We've talked, yeah, we've talked about too, like, uh, cause we're hoping to go somewhere for a month later this year. Like, oh, we'll just rent out the back while we're gone for a month. But yeah, I guess, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see when that comes up, if we go for it or not, we have to move all our personal stuff and stuff like that. So we will into the garage <laughs> exactly, or into a rental, into a storage unit, exactly. get a pod. Yeah. We actually also talked about just renting the van out <laughs> since it's just sitting People there. We'll do that too. Yeah. Well, what, what, yeah, well, I think that's a great question. What, what is next for you guys now? You've got, it sounds, it seems like you guys are really open to creative, awesome you know, experiments with this kind of stuff, you're clearly able to get a really good lifestyle as a result of that in the interim and build a lot of wealth. What, what is your kind of end goal? So our end goal is um, buy and hold. And so we want to be able, like, I guess for our long-term goal is to be able to generate 250000 a year and then um, just through our investments. And then we could essentially just live off that. But our next moves are, I actually, through Bigger Pockets, um, met a couple of women. And so we started a mastermind and we've gotten really close over the last year and just over a year. And one of them um, we're actually going to be partnering with and doing our first burr. So we're going to hopefully be doing our first burr, get that completed before the end of the year. Uh, we're selling the one property that we bought during the pandemic. Um, we're actually going to be selling that one and using those funds to do the first burr. And then um, hopefully that's just a partnership that we can continue to leverage. So it's back in the Midwest as well. So she's in Louisville. So we're going to be essentially funding the deal and doing all of the remote admin type work. And then she has crews because um, she's an investor as well. So she has crews that are going to be doing the renovation and um, she's got lenders and all that stuff. So we're basically bringing our, our talents together and then we're going to do a deal and then hopefully we can find a couple more single family burrs over the next couple of years. And then we'd also like to get into um, at least one larger multi multi-family like apartment building or something like that. Awesome. And what, what are you guys doing for work right now? So I work for Los Angeles County fire department and just been doing that I've over a little over three years. Um, and so that, that comes with a lot of side benefits, but the biggest, I would say benefit is flexibility and schedule, just being able to trade days and make my own schedule kind of, um, and then, yeah. And I work for the same, um, startup that we worked, that we started working for. It's gone through different ownerships now. So 
we're definitely not in startup mode anymore, but um, I work for the same company. So I, I still, I'm a hundred percent remote and um, do everything online. I just want to chime in here with regards to the partnership. I don't know you. I don't know who is doing the partnership with you. This is just general advice, not casting aspersions on anyone's character, but get everything in writing. And this is for anybody listening as well. If you are considering a real estate partnership, think of the worst case scenario. Because of course, oh, what's the best case scenario? We make a lot of money. Hmm, How are we going to handle that? But exactly how are you going to handle that? Are you going to get... 40% or 50% or is it like a six-way partnership and each person gets whatever 100 divided by six is? Is it, you know, is the person getting more money because they coordinated the deal? Who is going to put more money in if, you know, you open up the walls and there's a huge problem? Um, What happens if you decide that you want to keep the property and somebody else wants to sell it? Do you have first right of refusal to you know, purchase it from them. Um, Just all these weird things because circumstances change in the, over the course of a flip. And I just, I'm in the bigger pockets forums every single day. And I see people talking about how their flip turned into a huge disaster or their partner, I'm sorry, their partnership turned into a huge disaster. And it almost always stems from, oh, we were friends before and we, you know, I trust him and they didn't get everything in writing. So it's just, I think it's really important to just kind of brainstorm. Like right now you're all still friends and that's great. And the goal is to not only make money in the real estate adventure, but also to be friends at the end of it. So setting expectations up front is so, so, so important. So thank you for coming to my TED talk. (laughs) Yeah. Andrea, that's a great point. Awesome. Well, what else should we be asking you about or covering for your story before we move on to the famous four? Honestly, yeah, we we talked about all I think our financial stuff pretty much in pretty good detail. So, yeah, unless you have any other questions, well, I I don't, I don't think I have too many more questions. I just I love the fact that you were able to do this all in Southern California while not making huge salaries, you know, with, you know, with a lot of that. And I think that that's really cool. I mean, you, you used a couple of advantages and got really creative. Um, but I think it sounds like you were able to amass a lot of wealth and freedom and do so while in really enjoying, I think one of the most beautiful places on the planet. Um, maybe more so than most. Yeah. It's been a wild ride for sure. I got my first gray hair on the first week of our Airbnb, so that's <laughs> this is a good uh, glimpse into what <laughs> into the short term rental world. <laughs> okay, well, we're not done yet. It is now time for the famous four. Tien, and this is both of you can answer each question. So, Tien, what is your favorite finance book? Okay, so um, to be honest, I read a ton of finance specific books, but I read insane amount of real estate books. So I guess real, um, real estate books is probably what's taken it over, but I will say like finance related cash flow quadrant. I did like that one. It was just a good perspective as to the mindset that we really need to be in and, um, switching from, cause right now we're employees. So we need to, you know, switch out of that box and, and really get into the other quadrants. Um, but yeah, so I guess finance, that would be my first, my favorite. Awesome. I've read, I've read a, a number of those books and that one's always a good one. Um, yeah. What was your biggest money mistake? No, 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 no. 
What is Brandon's oh. favorite finance book, Scott? <laughs> I'm sorry, Brandon. No worries. My bad. Go ahead, Brandon. <laughs> I don't read so well, so it's okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, probably Profit First by Mike Palowitz. Basically, I think for me, I like to try to keep a more logical and higher view on projects and stuff. And I feel like with Profit First, it's a, it's a good, like, hey, why are you doing this? And make sure you're actually setting money aside to do what you really want to do versus just if you invest all your money, then you're basically just doing nothing. All right. What, what was your biggest money mistake? Well, mine is probably marrying Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> taking, taking on all that debt. <laughs> my so Ooh, my greatest on one. <laughs> yeah, my greatest one was marrying Tagging onto that. Did you guys talk about money before you got married? Yeah, we did actually. Yeah, talk we did. Yeah, we've money. always been pretty open about it. She knew what she was getting into. Don't let her fool you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so I think for me, our biggest money mistake is just not starting sooner. So um, it's kind of twofold because I feel like the travel really got us the financial independence bug and like really um, made us want to be financially independent. But it was also a year where we could have. We lived in Seattle at the time. We could have bought a house in Seattle. We could have um, bought a house when we lived there and then rented it out when we traveled. Um, so just not starting sooner. Brandon? Oh, I mean, I think she nailed it as far as I think if not leveraging the ability for like all those first time home buyer opportunities early on, like we basically went straight to conventional um, thinking that was really the only option. Uh, so maybe, maybe the education and just the ability to just get after it earlier was our biggest mistake, I would say. And Brandon always says he wishes we had bought our personal home earlier because we owned six rental units before our home now. I, I think that's really powerful reflection there because, yeah, I think I think that the the greatest amount of leverage and the best terms you can get are on those first first home purchases. And like everyone's fleeing California to buy in Indiana but at the same time, like if you guys had bought and, and, and you guys are obviously very successful, so they'll take this no, no. away with it. But like maybe if you guys had bought in Orange County or, or, or San Diego with that, there could be a lot more wealth going on right mm -hmm. now uh, in addition to what the great stuff that you've done with that. So I, I think it's really powerful advice to sit back and be like, yeah, wherever I'm at, the, using my home, at least at first, as like the first couple of years of the journey, can be a huge accelerator on the, the journey to financial independence. I think that's a really good reflection there. What is your best piece of advice for people who are just starting out? Yeah, so I think for me, I um, have a love affair with budgeting. And so I think you just, you have to be tracking all of your income and your expenses. Like every dollar that comes in, should be tracked and every dollar that goes out should be tracked. And then I really loved, like we would get so excited for the end of the month because we'd see how much we had saved in the budget. And it's like, Oh, it was $491 and 75 cents. And we would literally go into the student loan portal and put in like $491 and whatever I said, 27 cents. And like just being able to see that pay down it for me, and I don't, I won't speak for Brandon, but for me, that was like so exciting. And that was where we really like, once we paid off loans, we were like, now what, now what do we do? Um, so I think it's just like, you really need to be tracking everything that comes in and everything that goes out. Yeah. And they've made a lot of tools now to make it super simple for anybody. 
Um, like it originally back in 2013, I created an Excel sheet and was doing it all manually and which was, I think, very valuable in the sense that we were actually like tracking it and feeling that pain of every expense. Um, but then, but just even if, if that's too much work using like mint, we use mint now, it's just so much easier for people to get an actual idea of what they're spending their money on and where they can save money. All right. What is your favorite um, joke to tell at parties? Um, so the joke I always tell, like trying to make someone laugh or cheer somebody up is, um, what kind of cheese isn't yours? I don't know. What? Nacho cheese. <laughs> All right. I love it. I have a cheesy pizza joke, but I won't tell it right now. Uh, Brandon, how about you? Uh, so this is for our friends. Um, their little, their little boy. He's, he's pretty, he's pretty awesome. He, uh, me and my buddy, we went through the, um, uh, fire tower together. And so he, uh, he's a little weird trying to open a pressure cooker once and his, his little boy says, how many firefighters does it take to open a pressure cooker? <laughs> There's no real answer, but <laughs> he's taking a stab at us. <laughs> it took like an hour to get the pressure cooker. Open. Hey, oh my gosh. so more than two is the answer. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, All where right. can people find out more about you? Yeah, so um, honestly, I think email is the best way. So our um, our company's name is 512 Real Estate, which is um, a climbing grade or, a rock, or like a type of climbing route. And so it's spelled out 512realestate at gmail.com. And then I also, um, on Instagram, I am true freedom. So T-R-O-O freedom. And I just put a lot of like our renovation type stuff, a lot of DIY um, before and afters of like lately we've just been, um, I've been showcasing all the stuff that we've been doing in the back house. Uh, So I just put a lot of real estate and renovation type stuff on there. Awesome. Awesome. We will include those. uh, We will include links to all of that in our show notes, which can be found at biggerpockets.com slash money show two, three, one. Tien and Brandon. And, and, and oh. can we get pictures of the, the van there yes. to, to post on the show Ooh, notes as yeah. well? Yeah, I'll send those so over I, I, right I, now. I'm very interested to see all of those. Yeah, and, and those will be at the show notes, like Mindy said, at uh, biggerpockets.com slash moneyshow231. Awesome. Okay, I can't wait to see those pictures. Tien and Brandon, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate you coming on and sharing your story. Awesome. Thank, thank you, you so, so much. For Thanks, guys. Us. Okay, we'll talk to you soon. All right, have a good day. All right, that was Tien and Brandon. Scott, I know you like their story. What did you think? I, I love that. I think I think um I'm I'm kinda jealous. I think I think like how many sunsets over the Pacific Ocean, you know, have they seen as a result of that, right? Like are eighteen months worth. Yeah. Are you willing to, are you willing to do that? I don't know. I don't know if I'd be willing to do that. I don't know, but I, I am envious of the the glorious days they must have had for years and years and years or for at least 18 months uh, in that journey. And the fact that it's got them so far ahead on their financial journey with that. So I, I think it's really cool. And, and I think it's, it's a perspective worth sharing. Yeah. I um, am not willing to do that, but I'm excited for the fact that they were able to, and I know that you're not willing to do it, Scott, cause you haven't. Nope. So <laughs> jump in a van, Scott. I just don't want to live in a van. I don't like road trips. I- Mostly I did house I have two hack. kids. I did house hack for seven years, and I, I think I would have been willing to house hack, you know, in in a creative situation. There, I, I think the van 
Um, I, yeah, I, th- I think if you're listening to this and you're in your early 20s or coming out of college, this is a potentially great way to spend a year in your early 20s um, doing something like this if you want to save up that, that extra money with that. Um, but yeah, I think it's awesome. Yeah, I do too. Okay, Scott, should we get out of here? Let's do it. From episode 231 of the Bigger Pockets Money podcast, he is Scott Trench and I am Mindy Jensen saying, enjoy the shower, flower. Becoming a Navy Federal Credit Union member could help you earn more and save more. Take advantage of competitive rates with their certificate options or start saving for that next big money milestone with a low minimum deposit. Add money at any time and watch your savings grow. Thanks to flexible terms, you can use Navy Federal's savings options for all kinds of goals, short or long term. Considering a big home improvement project, maybe a live-in flip, or feeling ready to consolidate some of that high interest credit card debt, you could borrow up to 100% of your home's equity with a fixed rate home equity loan with zero closing costs, or easily borrow as you go with a home equity line of credit. Both options could help make life's big expenses much more manageable. To learn more, visit NavyFederal.org. At Navy Federal, members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, equal housing lender. Membership required. Terms and conditions apply. Loans subject to approval. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all host and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.